Good morning. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I do. I'm not glad for the circumstance. Uh, I've had COVID too, um, twice, but uh, I, I understand. Well, my thought goes like this. Um, I was asked yesterday afternoon to sub, and I thought to myself, and Harry said to me, <laughs> uh, teach what you're teaching in uh, the class I teach uh, before this one. And I thought, it's such a miserable lesson, I, I don't want to lay it on you. So, you know, pain is one thing, doubling it is tragic. Um, so I, I thought a different way. And, I, uh, and as I listened uh, to the prayer requests, uh, my mind always flips to Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. There will be no more crying, no more tears, no more death, for the former things will have been done away. Will have been as a future perfect passive. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen um, when God brings the end of time to us. But it's sure, right? That relates, I think, to the topic that I want to raise. And that is, how do you manage life? And I think this, very simply, that the spiritual life boils down to a mental struggle. Um, our serenity, our peace, is a function of what we have put in our minds to think about. And what you fill your mind with is determinative of your state. So as I thought about that, and, and for you and I, of course, for you and me, it we know the answer, uh, although we do not practice that answer. Oh, um, my kids would say to me, oh, they said, I was sitting having breakfast with my girls. They were teenagers. <laughs> and, Mary, and in my family, it's tough. But... Uh, I thought I would have a social conversation with these kids. So I said to them, hey kids, when you think about your dad and uh, you've watched him over the years, what is the best thing you can say about him? <laughs> and after you have said the best, as you analyze speech and behavior, what is the worst thing you can say about him? Okay, I thought this would be sort of fun because you can deal with those conversations when you have love. That's not debated. So, the kids said to me, Dad, as we watched you in ministry and all this and home, um, I would say, they would say, you give good advice. I thought, well, isn't that nice? And that, well, what's the worst thing? They said, you don't follow it yourself. <laughs> and when I looked at them, I thought, I, that's why I love them. 
So I think what you put in your mind, what you, you, what you dwell upon, uh, is proportionate to your peace in this life. Jesus said it well. Uh, in this life, you will have sorrow. How, how could we miss it with a fall that this world has endured? But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So I want to look at a psalm that deals with that. It's Psalm 62. When you look at that psalm, so if you have your scriptures, if you look at that psalm, it's very short, 14 verses. Um, that's not the point. Um, it says it's a psalm of David. So we're looking at the great king. But there's no postscript that gives a context for this psalm. Often in the psalms, later scribes came along and added a context. We call them a postscript or prescript. Um, this has not one. So that tells me that this is a poem written by David that is universal in the struggles of life. When you read it, uh, what we find is that it's, it was addressed to a Levitical priest. His name is uh, Judith or Ethan. Um, and it was to be set to music. Thus, we can say this. It's a poem written by David, distressed by some particularity that he does not enunciate, that was to be sung, being set to music, in the worship that is part of the temple. So far, so good. That much, I think, is fair. So it's part of worship. When you think about this song, this psalm, um, I, I would think, if you thought deeply, you would think of a hymn, uh, which is, was the basis for the, an, an old hymn. Uh, I appreciate that you get together to sing hymns. I think that's what's missing, just the joy of singing. Uh, as a teenager, back when the earth was still cooling, um, we would get together as kids and sing the hymns of the faith. And uh, that's marked my life. And one of my favorites was written by an Englishman by the name of August Toplady. Uh, you may not know him, but the song you know, uh, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee. And August Toplady, in reading this little 14-verse psalm, um, wrote that great song, Be of Sin, the Double Cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. So I want to, for a few moments, just look at this little psalm. When I, when I think of a psalm or work in the Holy Scriptures, I'm a historian. Of course, I'm not a, um, uh, I'm not a pastor, per se. Um, what I like to do is think about it, uh, hold it in my hand and just meditate and ask myself questions. So the setting of the psalm 
is some duress unclarified that David has experienced. And so the question is, in the tragedy of his experience, and he had many, um, where did he find refuge? That, that's the question. So I ask myself some questions. In this little 14 verses, what are the descriptions of God? And one thing you learn is David had that figured out. In verse 16, pardon me, verse 6, he's called a fortress. It's an image of protection, right? We hide in a fortress. In verse 5, he's called hope, right? So what you fix your mind upon, how you prioritize your thought life, determines a lot. In verse 12, he's called love. What a metaphor. Um, remember, I was doing a wedding, and, <laughs> hmm, um, and a couple standing before me. They were—they always look so innocent, you know. And um, the lady sang to her husband to be a song, and the lyrics of the song went, "Love is not a four-letter word." That's true. Um, God is love. What's that mean? It means that he prioritizes us, that we are important to him. He loves us. And what is love but seeking the highest good in the object of your affections? Right? In verse 7, he's called a mighty rock. Security. Uh, flashing these metaphors is sort of fun. He's called power. That means sovereign. This guy has no lack of energy or compassion, right? One philosopher said, well, maybe God is good, but he's weak, and that's why tragedy happens. Another said, well, maybe he's strong, but he's not compassionate. And that's why tragedy happens. My answer is he's strong and compassionate. And I don't understand what happens. But he does. He is a refuge. He is a rock. He is a reward. He's salvation. In that sense, I think in this psalm, temporal deliverance that we all need. So just the names of him frame us, help us. What's our duty in tragedy? He spells it out in the psalm. We'll look at it. Pour out your hearts. We're to turn to him and tell him our need. Right? There was one great sermon preached 200 years ago entitled, We Have a Prayer Answering God. We are to rest. He says it two times. So rest is not blind trust. Rest is expressing ourselves to God. 
our emotions and passions and then resting in his sovereignty. And we are to trust. Those are the great words. They're imperatives. What are we not to do in this psalm? I always like to take something and keep turning it. Angles help. We are not... We are, we are not to think that people always act in our best interest. Okay? If you have that theory, uh, you're bound for disappointment. Okay? <laughs> There's a dark side to everyone, or as I tell my students, don't sit with your back to anybody's door. Right. You can blindfold a chicken, and he'll cross a busy street 99 times. But the hundredth time, he will get run over. Okay? Or as I told my girls, when that young man looks at you intensely and says, I love you, you are to look at him back and say, why? I could tell you more stories. They haven't forgiven me yet. We are not to think that people are capable of being double. We are to think that people are being capable of being double-tongued and act in their own best interest over ours. Okay? We are not we are to think that status in life, we are not to think that status in life and trustworthiness are synonyms. Position does not equal degree of trustworthiness. We have deceivers in high places. So titles are meaningless. We are not to think that status and credibility go hand in hand. Right? We are not to think that difficult times doing what is right, justifying doing what is otherwise wrong. So far, so good. So it's a beautiful little psalm um, sung in the temple. Remember, uh, they sang the psalms. uh, And it's about trust. This poem, when you look at it, they're all poetry. Uh, is what is called a, uh, I hate to invert words, called a chiasm. Um, Sometimes it's called an inversion because what begins at first is repeated at the end. And the very center of a chiasm is the big idea. So it helps us interpret it. So if you look at the chiasm, it looks like this. It, it, sometimes we call it, in, it, it's worthless, but, uh, you know, when you don't have much to say, you have to have a lot of synonyms. Uh, okay. Um, verses 1 and 2, confidence in the Lord. Verses 11 and 12, confidence in the Lord. Inverted parallelism. Weakness of humanity, verses 3 and 4. Trust the Lord, not people, 8 to 10. But right in the middle, 
is the point. Verses 5 and 7. The deliverance of the Lord. He'll take care of us. Right? I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to say to the Lord, you know, my big mistake was fairly simple. I didn't trust you enough. All right? It's not the amount of faith we have. It is the object of faith that we have. So far, so good. Now, let's look at the psalm. It's really pretty. Um, words reoccur in this little psalm. So it's David. We don't know when. Maybe he's being chased by Saul. We don't know. Maybe, uh, remember he delivered a city by the name of uh, Kela. And after he delivered that city, he asked the Lord if the people of that city would protect him from Saul. And the Lord said, they won't. Okay. Uh, so uh, remember Ahimelech, the priest. Um, maybe that's the setting. Maybe it's the setting of the sadness of the consequences of Bathsheba when 19 soldiers were killed to get to Uriah the Hittite. So there's a lot of tragedy blowing through David. Uh, maybe it's Absalom and Absalom's treachery because he mentions that word here. Remember when David, when Absalom usurped David's throne, David fled up the uh, Mount of Olives and Shimei cursed him. Uh, maybe that's the setting. And Ahithophel, his friend, betrayed him. So there's a lot of tragedy in this dear guy's life. But here we go. Uh, verse 1. David's confidence. So confidence is not related to circumstance. It is related to what you seek as a priority. Truly, and the word truly occurs six times. So, um, hmm, just counting the words. Truly, my soul finds rest. So imagine the tragedies across this dear man's life. I thought heartbreak would be Absalom. Remember, when he hears Absalom's dead after all that Absalom perpetrated, David cries out, Oh, my son, my son. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. There's his confidence. Right? So what you put in your mind is what's going to feed your thoughts and actions. Truly, verse 2, the object of trust he is my rock. Stability. He is my deliverance. Salvation. He is my fortress. And there, look at this. I will never be shaken. It doesn't mean he hasn't shed many a tear. It doesn't mean he didn't lose a son to Bathsheba. Uh, all those things happen. 
Now, he describes his circumstance. How long will you assault me? He's talking about his tragedies. Would all of you throw me down? Is it the Philistines? Is it the armies of his son? Um, we don't know. So I think it's timeless for all of us. Would all of you throw me down this leading wall? Um, uh, instability in this life. This tottering fence. Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. So it, one thing I've learned is you can talk to God about anything. He really likes to hear us, even though our language is gibberish. Because we're telling him in our prayer life, his worth. Right? They take delight in lies. Who are they? I think it's Saul. Twice David spares his life. Twice he calls him son. And then he tries to kill him. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Right? And I think he's saying, I, 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 I know I can rest in God. He is my rock. Right? I think we can, I, I think the little prayer we taught our kids is valid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's a valid prayer, right? But there are difficulties in life. And the point of the psalm is where do you turn in those difficulties? So David's confidence, very simply, verses 1 and 2. David's conflict is in 3 and 4. Whoever it is, it, it, it's really nice that it's not named because ha, we can put our circumstances there, right? The very center of the psalm, notice their couplets. One, two, three, four, five, seven, so forth. By and large, the very center of the psalm is David's affirmation. That's the whole point of it. Yes. My soul, what's it mean by soul? My being, find rest in God. Right? How do we find rest in God? By rehearsing what we know of his character and his conduct. He is faithful. He'll never leave us or forsake us. We may him, but that's beside the point. My hope comes from him. So it's not in Absalom changing his views or Saul. He looks beyond that. Truly. So the source of his confidence is verse 5. I rest in God. 
So far, so good. It's just beautiful. And here's the ground, truly. And one of Jesus' favorite words is truly, if you've ever meditated on that. Truly, he is my rock. All right? I think intuitively, you and I believe that everyone else in this room is doing better than we are. Ha! <laughs> I'd, that can't be because there's many in the room but that's who we are we tend to look at the cup half empty right he is my rock and my salvation he is my fortress imagine when when things hit you oh Nastiest word in our family was the word cancer. My kids would say to me, Dad, why do we only have two children? I wanted a tennis team. <laughs> Thought that'd be fun. Um, and I looked at my youngest daughter and I said, well, you're the reason. Huh? You were so unmanageable that we lost hope in the process of all these things. But that's really not true. That was just fun. Um, the real reason is cancer. And we had a choice of an operation that would preclude having more kiddos or wait nine months and then have it. And I couldn't do that. It's that simple. In those tragedies of life that we all have, what do you think about? You think about him being the rock. It means stability. Our fortress, protection, deliverance. Right? Verse 7. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, rock, refuge, fortress, all through this thing. In other words, when you think about this little psalm, in verses 1 to 7, he talks about his own experience of trust, of adversaries, difficulties, rest, peace, rock, fortress. He's talking about himself or his experience. But beginning in verse 8, there's a change. It changes from you, David addressing the Lord, to your. He begins to address the audience that will sing this song in the temple. So it turns from personal expression to exhortation. So far, so good. The beauty of these psalms are, are just unimaginable. Trust in him at all times, you people. So that which David found, which wasn't the absence of chaos, but it was peace in chaos, 
he now wants for the people of God, right? There's the command, trust. And so how do you trust? You trust by filling your mind with thoughts of him, right? Pour your heart out to him. There's the exhortation. And it's all right to say to the Lord, you know, really, this stinks. And here's the reason. This, this verse 8 is just absolutely gorgeous. Command, trust him. At all times, good and bad. Second, pour your heart out to him. That's great. And here's the reason. For God is our refuge. He'll never fail us. Verse 9. He returns to the circumstance again. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. They come, they go. The highborn are a lie. What's he saying? He's saying what he said in verses 3 and 4. People are a poor source to seek refuge in times of trouble. Now, we do seek people. We seek them for comfort, but they're not the answer. All right. Uh, when uh, one of our children almost died, a physician at Baylor literally saved her life. His name is Warren Litchlighter. I'll never forget him. I was talking to him one day, and I thanked him for saving my daughter's life. He looked at me sternly and mad and said, I have never saved a person's life. Only God does that. All right? But you still thank him. Oh. And you pay him. <laughs> Surely the lowborn are but a breath. Don't, don't trust people. Now, we do trust people. But he's talking about where do you find rest. You don't find it in people. As good as they are. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. Status. If weighed on a balance, there are nothing. That is, there, there, there are no ultimate source. Uh, I think the problem with our government is trying to be Messiah. Uh, political solutions to everything. Leading to self-destruction. So I, I applaud them for their intent. I do not. There are previous oppositions or the end to which they're driving us. Other than that, they're fine. Um, right? You, you appreciate something about everybody, even if you only have to search for it. Now, if, if weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. What's he saying? People are, are poor objects to cling to in the storms of life. Right? We need friends. That's not a question. But friends are not the Redeemer. 
we're to trust him and we're to pour our hearts out to him. Do not trust in extortion, manipulation, um, or put vain hope in stolen goods. Right? What's he talking about? Um, Self-devised methods of redemption. That's all. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. It's a stern warning to a wealthy nation. And here are David's final words. One thing God has spoken. Here's the conclusion. It matches verses 1 and 2. Two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. He's the ultimate final source. And so he is powerful. But that doesn't help us much if he's not caring. <laughs> That's called callousness. Or like I, I was driving my father-in-law around and uh, uh, I missed a stop sign. Uh, I frequently do. When I don't know I did, I have no problem. Um, I, I once took a faculty member at Dallas Seminary to a funeral. You would know his name. Uh, when I came to him to take him home, he said, I'm not going with you. You are not safe. When I backed out of the garage with my girls, I'd say to the cynic, anybody behind me, honey? She would say every morning, Dad, nothing behind you but small children playing. I came to that stop sign and stopped quickly, and I reached my arm out to grab Dad. And it hit me. Dad loves me, but he's losing strength to help me. That's not God, right? Ability is always linked to compassion. Uh, in humankind, ability leads to uncompassion. But in God, they're never separated. With you, Lord, yeah, this is marvelous. I think when I lay my head on the pillow the last time, I'm going to think this. With you, Lord, is unfailing love. Right? My wife says to me, John, if You did that. You must not love me. She's really impugning me with that statement. I say to her, honey, I did it, and I love you. Doesn't make for good conversations. <clears throat> so in humankind, authority, power, ability, separated from compassion often. My wife says to me, this is a great one. Um, you're caring, but you're not empathetic. Hmm, that's interesting. I had to ask her what empathetic meant. Um, now, 
Here's the last of it. And you reward everyone according to what he has done. Have we turned to him, laid our burdens at his feet, poured out our heart to him, and walked away? So this is really pretty. So Psalm 62 is a psalm by David. We don't know the circumstance, so we can put ourselves in it. And the disappointments that come in life, but what do you do? I think David would say, fill your mind with thoughts of God and pour your heart out to him for your need. And that's it. That's that simple. Questions? Don't be bashful, you know. We are but a breath in a cool morning. This is Marta. My grandmother taught me at five her favorite two songs, and I learned to sing them, although I don't hit notes very well. <laughs> Jesus Loves Me and Rock of Ages. Yeah. And Rock of Ages is part of my August funeral plans. I, I fear for our kids who are not singing the great songs. Right. Uh, I, I go to malls and I watch kids. You know, you know, are getting old when you go and watch people. Um, and I watch 17, 18 year olds. And I look at them and I say, if these kids are ever called to protect the perimeters of our country, they're going to grow up quick. Right. <laughs> we okay? I think my favorite song is, um, I, you would sing it, I heard an old, old story of a Savior come from glory who gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Uh, those are great songs. Are you going to sing that one? Uh, November the 4th? Huh? A Saturday. Well, the, the common cliche is, if I don't have a funeral that day. That's the excuse clergymen use. <laughs> hmm. They tell me I put fun, I put fun back in funerals. Mm. Um, no, it's a, it's a great moment. We okay? Thanks for the privilege. And I just pray that uh, I think comfort in life is enjoying the privilege that God has given us to think about him. It just lifts you above everything. Not, not for long, but it, it's like clouds that capture a mountain peak. But every once in a while they part and you get to see it. All right? That, that's walking with God. Well, we'll pray. Father in heaven, we bow to you today with thankful hearts that you were not only the sovereign creator of the world, that you spoke and everything that was created has been created, Psalm 33. And you did that with no expenditure of energy, for you alone are sovereign and powerful. And yet our Father, in that august position, which many humans have and had, but few ever exercised. 
you are a God of compassion and condescension toward us, your people. We thank you for giving to us the greater son of David, our Lord Jesus, who had no sorrows of his own, but he bore ours. And we thank you for him. And pray, our Father, as we've heard requests, and we are all in need, we pray that we might fill our minds with metaphors in this psalm, like rock, refuge, fortress, and pour our heart out to you, for you delight to hear your children. So, our Father, we give this week ahead of us, not knowing the circuity of events that will transpire, but we know that you will lead us, you will guide us, you will give us appropriate words to say when we encounter people, and bring us all back together, this dear class who love you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Dr. Hannah, this is for you. Thank you for changing your schedule at the last minute and bailing out our class and the wonderful teaching today. He gave me cookies. Uh, my wife is saying to me that I'm redefining a word, circumference. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Hannah. <laughs> okay, we've got uh, Sarah back here taking pictures. If your picture is not in the directory, if you're one of the, if you look in that directory that's laying on the end of the table and you don't see yourself in there, we'd love to have a picture. So Sarah will grab a picture and she'll make you look even better. Okay, and Connie has got these tickets. I hope you guys will take advantage of this because I went out on a limb and said we needed 200. So. Uh, <laughs> I gave about half of them to the Grace Gathering, so. But we've still got a lot of tickets, and I'd like for them to go to, a, to good use. Um, so don't forget the pictures. Until next week, I hope to see you Thursday, but uh, until next Sunday, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>